I'm excited about the possibilities that we have here in Franklin, in this middle Tennessee area. I'm excited about all the things that we can do in order to glorify God. I'm excited about the work that we have set before us. I believe that we have the beginning of a relationship here that can last a long time and can do great things. Not because of me and really not because of you, but because of the God that we serve together. And that's what I want us to focus on. And as we begin our relationship together, what I thought we might do is try to begin with a vision. Something that we can look forward to together as we serve God and as we strive to do His will here in this congregation. And as we look to our future and what the Franklin Church of Christ is and what it ought to be and what we need to do to make it what it ought to be in order to bear fruit which glorifies our Father in heaven. I think of Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. I think I think of Matthew 5 and verse 14. Well, I was afraid that would happen. That's the deal with technology. We'll have to work on that some more. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. It says what it says, even if it won't come up on the screen. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14, the Scripture says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. As we look to our future and what we ought to be as individual Christians and as a congregation, I want you to think about this verse. This is the verse I think about. This is what all of us ought to be. This is what every church ought to be. A light which cannot be hidden. A city that is set on a hill. We need to stand out in this world. People need to know who we are and what we stand for. They need to recognize us as different. We need to be servants of the Lord to our life, which cannot be hidden. Cities set on a hill. But why? I do want you to understand that we ought not to be cities set on a hill. The Franklin Church should not be a light which cannot be hidden in order to be seen of men, in order to have the reputation before men. Remember what it says in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 1? In the book of Revelation, chapter 3 and verse 1, the Scripture says, These things says He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Here was a congregation that had a reputation. People thought all kinds of things about them, but Jesus said, You're dead. And so, when we consider this congregation and the fact that we ought to be a city set on a hill, a light which cannot be hidden, it is not to be seen by men and glorified ourselves. It is not so that we can have a reputation. Rather, it's because of what it says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. As Jesus continued on in Matthew 5 and verse 16, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We want folks to look here and see a city on a hill and see our God and glorify Him, not us. 
We want people to see God through what we're doing. And we want that for two reasons. First of all, we want the worldly to be able to see us and see God in us and glorify God because of us. Because we want them to see us as God's servants and we want them to want to be one of us, don't we? Remember what it said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12? In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, Peter pointed out in 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. The point being that because they have seen our good works, because they have seen us stand out, they have decided to become one of us so that when the day of visitation comes, that is the day in which God visits judgment upon the world, they may be part of us and glorify God along with us. How are they going to do that? We've got to stand out. We've got to be a city set on the hill so that they'll see who and what we are and want to be a part of us. But we also want to be a city set on the hill for a second reason. That other churches may see what's going on here and they also may glorify God. As I examine sound churches today, it's a sad situation that there sometimes seem to be only two kinds of churches today. There are those who don't really believe God's way works. And so they're changing and no longer following God's way. But then at times it seems that there are those who don't really believe God's way works. But they're going to do it God's way, but they don't ever expect any success. And so they rarely have any. I believe that we can be a third kind of church. A church that believes God's way works. And so we do it God's way, and we get the success that God can give. I believe that the Franklin Church of Christ is poised in a position to be an example of success and growth by the grace of God. But the only way we can do that is if we are a city set on a hill, a light which cannot be hidden, that stands out for everyone to see. As we keep that in mind, I want you to think of four areas in which we must stand out. And while it would be extremely nice for me to be able to list these four areas up here so you could see all of them in one place, you might want to get out a pen and piece of paper and write this down. Or maybe you can just remember it. But four areas in which we as a church must stand out. Number one, we must stand out in doctrine. Look at Second John verses 9 and 10. In 2 John, verses 9 and 10, the Scripture says, Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. We want to have that doctrine of Christ. Regrettably, however, the majority of mainstream religion today does not care what doctrine is taught. The majority of churches that exist today are not willing to stand out as a city on a hill holding forth the light of Christ's doctrine. 
They're willing to blend in with the cities in the valley teaching whatever it is that they want to teach. Doing anything and everything that they think is a good idea. But remember what Jesus said about that in Matthew chapter 15. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9, Jesus, quoting from Isaiah, said, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. People teach the commandments of men as doctrine. They did it when Jesus was here. They did it when Paul was teaching and John and Peter. And they're still doing it today. We need to stand out as different, holding on to the doctrine of Christ. And we will stand out if we do that. And people won't like it. But we're not trying to please people. We're trying to please God. And we'll be different. But we'll be serving the Lord. We need to stand out in doctrine. The second area in which we need to stand out, we need to stand out in teaching. Now, I understand that doctrine and teaching are very similar, but please understand the distinction that I am making. When I said that we need to stand out in doctrine, I'm talking about standing out in what we teach. Now, when I say we need to stand out in teaching, I mean we need to stand out by the fact that we are teaching. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 10. In Romans chapter 10. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, Paul as he wrote to the Roman church, he said, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing that we can call out on the name of the Lord, understanding biblically what that means, which we will talk about in a few moments. But we can call on God, and we can do what God says, and He will save us. What an amazing promise. But keep reading. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Those who call on God will be saved. But how are they going to get to that point? Somebody's got to teach them. Because if nobody teaches, nobody hears. And if nobody hears, nobody believes. And if nobody believes, nobody obeys. And if nobody obeys, nobody is saved. And so if we want people to partake in this promise, we must stand out in teaching. There are a lot of churches today that are willing to stand out in doctrine. They're going to hold tight to the doctrine of Christ. They're going to maintain doctrinal purity. They're going to stick with just what the Bible says. And we're not ever going to do anything differently than that here. But we don't want to say it too loud. Because people might get offended. And if people get offended, that would be terrible. And so they don't teach. And nobody gets offended. 
But nobody gets saved either. We've got to stand out and teach them. And when Paul here talks about preachers being sent, he's not talking about full-time evangelists that have devoted their lives to preaching the gospel. Sure, that's included. But he's talking about Christians who are equipped by the church, as we mentioned this morning in class, and who are sent out to teach the gospel. And that's what we must do. We must teach the gospel. The early churches stood out. They taught the gospel. And in Acts 17 and verse 6, they were accused of turning the world upside down. But that's what this world needs. Some world-turning teaching. And if we're going to be a city set on the hill, we need to stand out teaching the gospel of Christ, making as much noise about it as we possibly can. Because I'll tell you what, the false teachers are making lots and lots of noise. They're making noise on the TV. They're making noise on the radio. They're making noise with books and with magazines. And we have to counter that. And we'll do it by each of us getting out and letting others know about what goes on in Christ's church and teaching the gospel. We need to stand out in doctrine. We need to stand out in teaching. Number three, we need to stand out in love. Look in John chapter 13. In John chapter 13, beginning at verse 34, Jesus said, A new commandment I give you. John 13 and verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. How are people going to know we're the disciples of Christ? Because of our love for one another. Too many churches are, we, are willing to accept a mediocre kind of love that you could get by from being in any social organization. But Jesus has called us to a higher standard of love. He says that we can have a love for one another that when folks look at us, they'll be able to tell that we're different. We're not like everyone else. We're not like the social organization. And we're not like every other church that's out there. We're different. We have the love of Christ. Look in John 15, beginning at verse 12. He tells us what kind of love we ought to have. In John 15 and verse 12, he says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. We're to have a sacrificial love, giving up our lives for one another. I understand that today we're probably not going to be called to actually die for one another. And it's very easy for us in our Bible classes as we sit in these comfortable buildings and as we say our prayers about how wonderful it is that we live in a country where our government protects us and allows us this right, to be able to say, oh yes, I would die for my brethren. And yet there are folks today who claim, oh yes, I would die for brethren. But they won't give up the ball game for them. Or their favorite TV show. We need to be folks who sacrifice for one another. This is not just a friendly advice now and again. This is a sacrificial love that we must stand out. Being a city set on the hill, different than others. Putting ourselves out for one another. 
We need to stand out in doctrine, in teaching, in love, and in faith. Number four. First John chapter five and verse four. In first John chapter five and verse four, the scripture says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Our faith is what will cause us to overcome the world. It's what will cause us to be a city set on a hill, a light which cannot be hidden, a faith which believes in God, and a faith which believes God. A faith which says, if God says this is the way it works, then this is the way it works. Far too many people have the idea that God needs our help and our innovation, and He needs us to come along and fix His church. And if we would just do it this way, it would be better. What God needs is not our help and our, uh, our innovation. He needs and wants our obedience, which will only come when we believe in it. Because when I truly believe in how am I going to do it? I'm going to do it His way. I'm going to do what He says, because I believe it, because I trust it. Look at Galatians 2.20. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul describes the life of faith. He says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. When I live by faith, it's no longer me living, it's Christ living in me. Because I'm doing things His way. I'm doing what He would do. I'm doing what He has asked. And as a church, if we will be a city set on the hill, we must have faith. And we'll stand out in faith. Because despite what the world says, and despite what all the cities around us want to do, we're going to stand out doing it God's way. And that'll be different. It'll be different. But we'll be serving the Lord. We need to be a city set on the hill. In doctrine, in teaching, in love, and in faith. But what's that going to take? What is it going to take for us to be able to stand out like that? To be different. Four more things. Number one, it's going to take love. We talked just a moment ago about love of brethren, but now I'm talking about it's going to take love of God. Love of Jesus. Love of His truth. Look in John 14 and verse 23. In John chapter 14 and verse 23, the Scripture says, If anyone loves me, John 14, 23, If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. When will we stand out in doctrine and in faith? When we love God. When we love Jesus. Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 10, that if we want to be saved, we've got to love the truth. In 2 Thessalonians 2.10, with all, as he talks about those who are lost, he kind of comes at it from the back door. He says, with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, 
because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. How will we be saved? We've got to love the truth. We have to love God and His truth more than we love anything else if we want to stand out. Remember the warning of Jesus in Matthew chapter 10? In Matthew chapter 10, beginning at verse 34, the Scripture says in Matthew 10 and verse 34, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. We've got to love Jesus above all other things if we're going to stand out. Because if we love some of these others more, then we'll begin to compromise. If we love popularity and prestige, power, money more, then we'll start to compromise. But when we love Jesus more, then we'll stand out and be different. It's going to take love. Secondly, it's going to take personal sacrifice. Because I have to sacrifice myself to God's will. As we continue in Matthew chapter 10, look at verse 38. He who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. We're taking up a cross. That's sacrifice. When folks took up a cross back here, you know what they were doing? They were going to die. Jesus is saying we have to die to ourselves and live to God. It's no longer about us. Remember Galatians 2.20 that we read just moments ago? It's no longer I who live. I'm not running things. It's not my desires. It's not my wants. It's what God wants. And I am living what He would have me do. And we as a church must do the same. Look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul wrote there, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're to be living sacrifices. We're alive, yes, but we've been sacrificed to God. You know what the problem with a living sacrifice is? Is it keeps crawling off the altar. We've got to stay up there on that altar if we want to stand out on the hill. We've got to sacrifice our will and do God's will. If we're going to stand out on a hill, it's going to take love, love of God, love of Jesus, love of the Spirit, love of truth. It's going to take sacrifice. And it's going to take courage. Because what I'm talking about this morning and what the Scripture is telling us is not 
easy and people will not like it. If we're going to stand out on a hill, we've got to just understand right up front that folks outside of Christ will not like us. They'll make fun of us. They will mock us. They'll say bad things about us. They will attack us. They'll do all kinds of things. They've even been known to crucify people. Look in Matthew chapter 10. And remember what Jesus said to the twelve. In Matthew chapter 10, beginning at verse 16. In Matthew 10 and verse 16, He said, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Now brother will deliver up brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For surely I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher, and a servant like his master. If they call the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore, do not fear them. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. I understand there are quite a few things in this passage that apply directly to the apostles and not to us. But the principles of persecution, the principles of those outside of Christ hating us, the principle that says those who would call the master of the house of the other will call us, Even worse. The principle that says that it's enough for servants to be like their master. Those apply. And Jesus says, don't fear. Have courage. Stand up. And be different. Be a city set on the hill. The problem with being there is that that's the city the enemy likes to attack. Because every enemy wants to be king of the mountain. But we need to have courage. Stand up. Not because we're anything, but because God is on our side. And no matter what men do to us, when we endure, we'll be saved. Takes love. It takes sacrifice. It takes courage. And fourthly, it takes focus. We've got to focus on the goal. We've got to keep our minds on heaven. Because that's what this is all about. We're not here to play church. 
We're not here to look good. We're not here to win popularity contests. We're not here to sway political campaigns. We're here to go to heaven. That's why I'm here. How about you? Not to disrupt the flow of the sermon. But I will tell you that when I say, that's why I'm here, how about you? If this won't offend anybody, I'd like to hear some people say, Amen. Thank you. That's why I'm here, how about you? Okay, good. Let's try that again. That's why I'm here, how about you? Very good. That's awesome. Because we're here to go to heaven, aren't we? That's what it's about. And that's the goal. We're not here to make money. We're not here to win friends and influence people. We're here to go to heaven and help everyone we can get there too. And so we must not get distracted from the goal. Look in Colossians chapter 3. In Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, the Scripture says, if then you were raised with Christ, Colossians 3.1, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. And far too many churches are thinking about things on earth. There are some churches that are more concerned about getting to Washington than about getting to heaven. The church is not about politics. It's not about material things. It's not about buildings. It's about getting to heaven. Even though we don't deserve to go. Through the mercy of God. And that's more powerful than anything else we could do, don't you think? I think so. And when we have that as our goal, we'll stand out as different. But we've got to focus on it. We've got to continue looking at it, thinking about it day in and day out all the time. Otherwise, we'll get distracted. Consider Moses as an example in Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11. Think of all the distractions that Moses had. And yet he served the Lord. In Hebrews eleven twenty four, notice what it says. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Why? For he looked to the reward. How was Moses able to do it? When Pharaoh was attacking how was Moses able to do it when even the people of Israel were mad at it? He was looking to the Lord. He was focused on the goal. And that's what we must do. If we want to stand out, a city set on a hill, a light which cannot be hidden, we must love Jesus and His truth above all other things. We must be willing to sacrifice ourselves to God's will. We must have courage to stand up against those who will be against us. And we must focus on the goal. 
I think we can do it. How about you? I think we can do it. How about you? Very good. Just making sure we're all on the same page. Pull out your songbooks, please.